This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. To the Lord, CLC family. Say family. We are family. Turn to someone and say, we're family. CLC family, so good to have you. Online family, we're glad you're joining with us. What a powerful, powerful uh, morning of worship. And today I want us to, to continue to look into the Word. It's, it's always, um, as a speaker, it's always, uh, uh, you know, just an incredible uh, to watch how God moves, especially when I don't usually work out the sermon uh, with the songs and, and, and what kind of ministry will be in the altars. And when you begin to watch how God puts it all together and it just begins to flow together. As we get into the word today, as Pastor Nadine said, we're going to be looking at the truth of what we've already been praying for and singing about and celebrating. And it's just going to be a reinforcement into our hearts in a greater way. So are you ready to receive the word? Father, we just yield for this moment and we ask you, God, to speak to us. Thank you for your word. The word of God is the bread of life. It gives us direction. It gives us wisdom. It gives us guidance. It gives us correction. It inspires and convicts. It strengthens and roots us deep in our faith. As we'll even see today, We develop genuine faith through the word of God. And today I pray, God, that you will illuminate your scripture and your message to our hearts. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Well, Christmas is upon us and uh, it feels like it sneaks up on us, right? Now, just I want to get a feeling of those that are in the room, maybe online, you can interact online. But I want to just get the feeling of my personality of the room. How many of you, all your gifts are already bought? Let me see your hand. Your gifts are already, hey, I feel good right now. There's only like three hands that are going up. How many of you like started buying a few gifts? Let me see your hands. You've started buying a few. All right, a few more hands. All right, how many of you, you got a lot to do in the next two weeks? Raise your hands. That's me. That's most of the room. Hey, I feel like I'm in good company uh, today. Amen. Well, you know, regardless of if we're ready or not, uh, before we know it, it's going to be on top of us, right? And in the next couple weeks, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of different parties. Uh, If you're in a life group, I'm sure there's a life group party. There's going to be Christmas parties, office parties, uh, you know, dinner with family and friends and colleagues. And it's all an exciting time, right? It's, It's exciting. It can get overwhelming and yet it drives us back every year to focusing back on relationships, focusing back on family, focusing back on even though it gets overwhelming with all the parties, to spend time with one another and to to take the journey of life together. Christmas is supposed to be one of the most wonderful times of the year and yet somehow we find that it can be a stressful time. We find that it can become overwhelming. Statistics tell us, I mean, in surveys that I read as pastor, uh, as, a, as a pastor, and they tell us as pastors is that almost 50% of our congregations, they dread the Christmas season. 
Because there's so much stress. There's so much uh, uh, remembering of so many things that cause pain that it's something that they don't look forward to. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one or maybe it's been a tough year. Maybe they've gone through some difficulties, illness or sickness and, and relational issues, whatever it may be. And they're just waiting. There's a lot of downtime over the next several weeks. And so they're just waiting for it to, to fly by and to get over. Now, I don't know what the stat is for us. But what I want you to know is that in Christmas and in this season, it's a time for us to remember that we have a hope and we're celebrating the hope. No matter how difficult our year has been or how difficult it may be right now, that we have hope. And that hope is something that we can hold on. And as we hold on to that hope, it pulls us through. So can I just get an agreement in the house today? That no matter what, we're keeping our eyes on the hope of glory, which is Christ Jesus. And 700 years ago, the prophet Isaiah gave a prophecy about the Son of God, Jesus, the coming Savior, and the qualities of our Savior. And that's what we've been looking at. So take your Bibles and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9 is where we're looking. It's the prophecy of Isaiah. And he says, For to us a what child is born. A child is born. Christ came into existence because he was born. So for us or to us a child is born and to us a son is given. The son, Christ, pre-existed. He wasn't born, he was given. A child is born, but the son was given. Now, in the Old Testament, if I can pause for a moment, we have this statement that now is going to take, take place or come to pass in the New Testament with the, the incarnation of the Son of God. And so a son is given. Now, we haven't taken time to study it, but let me just mention the next phrase. And the government will be on his shoulders. The government. Now, government is a system, a world system, and it's, it's designed to take care of its citizens. And don't we wish our governments, whichever party's in charge, would just make that their priority, right? It's not about their job. It's not about their position. It's not about what they think is best. But what does the citizens that they're governing, how do they care for them? A son is given. A child is born, and he would carry the government on his shoulders. Now, it was a prophecy that was being fulfilled in three different ways. It was a prophecy to what was happening in Israel at that time with Judah and, and uh, the Assyrians that were going to be attacking and, and coming against God's people. It was a prophecy of what was going to happen with the birth of Christ but yet there is a future prophecy that we are a part of that right now. And that is the, the blessed hope in the coming of Christ in the second coming. The first time he came, he came as a child that was born because God gave his son. But you and I who are believers today, we're looking to a, what we call a blessed hope. The day that Christ will come again and he will physically return to the world and he will rule the world. The governments will be on his shoulders and he will rule the world. Can we just say amen to that? 
that one spot. That's why we see there is so much about Israel and Jerusalem. That place, when Jesus comes a second time, it will become the capital and the weight of the government will be on him. But until that day, until the second coming of Christ, Christ right now is spiritually ruling his people, you and I, he is still ruling us, those that have surrendered our lives to him. He's ruling the church, the citizens of his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. He governs us as the king. Can we get an agreement? How does he do it? Well, his government, his ruling now is through his people, through you and I who surrender to him. We allow him to rule us. He has rulership over us. You see, I think the problem a lot in the church today is people see him as savior, but they do not surrender to him as Lord, allowing him to be the king that rules their lives and their hearts. But that's what he desires to do right now. He wants to rule our hearts. And if we'll let him, if we'll let him, he'll bear the weight of our lives, the, the, the governance of our life. He will bear it on his shoulders. Amen for that. If you're a parent, do you remember when your, 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 your son or your daughter was little? I mean, mine are grown now, and I was hugging one of them last night, and I was like, oh, man, I miss when you were so small. How many parents know what I'm talking about? I mean, when they're through, mama, daddy, I know if you got a three or four-year-old right now, you think life's tough. I'm telling you, this is the good time right now for you. When they're three or four, dad, you can put them on your shoulder. I, I can't put my sons on my shoulder right now. But when they were four or three, I could pick them up. I could put them on my shoulder. I could give them a, a I called it a piggyback ride. I don't know what you call it, you know, in different cultures. But they would grab a hold of my neck and I'd carry them around. If you would go to an amusement park and they got tired, what did they want you to do? Daddy, will you carry me? You'd put them on your shoulder. You'd watch the parade as it goes by, you know. What the Lord is saying is he will carry us on his shoulders if we will let him govern you and I. He will bear the government of our life. The weight of it will be on his shoulders. Whatever weighs me down, whatever my worries are, my concerns, the problems, those things that, that may be stealing my hope, if I can be reminded that he is the Lord and the king that is ruling my life and he's carrying it, it gives me a blessed hope for the future. And in that, I can take rest. Amen and amen. And so it says that the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called, and we looked at it last week, what wonderful counselor. He will govern and rule like a wonderful counselor. The, the wonder of a counselor. That he will be there. He will be there to guide you. He'll be there to care for you. He understands you like a counselor will. Psalm 73 verse 24. You guide me with your counsel and afterwards you will take me into glory. Psalm 32 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go and I will counsel you and what? Watch over you. 1 John 5, 1 John 5, 20. And we know that Christ, God's son, has come to help, and I love this, help what? 
understand us and find the true God. And now we are in God because we are Jesus Christ. We are in Jesus Christ, his son, who is the only true and he is the eternal life. You see, when life gets discouraging, when life gets distorted, when I'm trying to figure it out, now, guys, maybe you're a little like me, that when things get overwhelming, when, when chaos hits, when, when things feel like they're a little out of control, I try to get it back into control. Any guys, you're with me. Now, it's not only the guys. There's a lot of ladies here that, that things are getting a little out of control, and we want to get it back into control. We want to try to figure it out. We want to try to make sure things are in order. And what happens is in that, I take a weight and I get overwhelmed, and I begin to become weary, and when I can't feel it, figure it out, I get discouraged. I get overwhelmed. I feel like this is impossible. And what many do is when they have decisions before them, they begin to go to everybody else to get answers before we even think about going to God. Now, when we come to church and, 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 and Pastor Charles or Pastor Candy or Pastor Nadine, someone encourages us to come and give your cares to the Lord and seek the Lord. We're quick to do that, but then we leave and Monday through Saturday, what we're doing is we're trying to figure it out on our own. We're calling, what do you think I should do? You know, he said this, you know, my boss, what do you think he meant? What do you think she meant? And all of a sudden, we begin to go to other people to get counsel or we go to Google to try to get some answers. Or people begin to escape when it gets overwhelming and they can't figure it out. Into drugs or alcohol, into relationships or pleasures of the world. Now, I don't have to say you or me. We all get caught into this. We all struggle. And so he is a wonderful counselor who cares and understands and is committed to us. And he's going to guide us. We looked at that. Pastor Alex unpacked that for us last week. And we can say yes and amen to that. If I will let him be the chief counselor of my life. How? Through his word. Through learning to listen to his voice. By learning to discern his will. When I do that, all of a sudden, things begin to get lifted. The weight that's on me, he begins to take it on him and on himself. So Isaiah goes on to say, not only is he wonderful counselor, but we're going to look for a few moments today that he is mighty God. Say mighty God. The second phrase that he describes of our coming Savior is that he is a mighty God. Now, Pastor Nadine said, spirit and truth come together. And, and honestly, today is a truth that you must get a hold of in your heart or life will not make sense as a believer. If we don't get this truth just drilled down deeper and deeper and remind ourselves over and over again, when things happen, we don't know how to make sense of it. I've got a good friend right now, been a friend for many, many, many years. He's in a coma right now, may not make it through the week. That doesn't make sense. He pastors a great church or they're doing great things around the, around the world. He's still a very young man and yet it doesn't make sense. Well, if I don't hold on and understand that, that, that God is a mighty God and I'm going to unpack for a few moments what that means for us that then when things happen, death happens, accidents happen, there's illness, there's abuse, there's something that takes place, there's a, there's a, there's a betrayal. 
Maybe a relationship begins to deteriorate. Maybe a child walks away from the Lord and, and is away from God. Things just don't make sense if we don't understand this. So mighty God, when you begin to look at it, you begin to see that first of all, in the title of who God is, is power of understanding his nature. The first part of this title, God, is in the word El. It comes from Elohim in the Old Testament, if you've ever heard of it, uh, uh, that word. And, and it's in the singular form, and it always refers to that, that he is the one true God. He is Elohim. The most common use of it is found in the Old Testament all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 where in the beginning God was creating the heavens and the earth and the word of God was there, Elohim. In the beginning, God, Elohim was there. When it's in the singular, the L form of that in the Bible, it always refers to him as the mighty one, that he is mighty. And it's got the, the connection to it that not only is he mighty, but he's strong. He is strong. Say, strong. He's powerful. In fact, in the Hebrew, it's the word Gabor, El Gabor. He's got strength. He is God, our strength. It is a God of power. He is God, our power. He is God, our hero, our warrior. He is Elohim, El Gabor. He is Almighty One. Now, if you think about it, and maybe you haven't realized it, but the church declares this most in the songs that it sings. We sing songs like, God is fighting for me. He is Elohim, El Gabor that's fighting for me. He's, he's the strong and mighty one. He is my hero. He is my warrior. And we rally to that, amen. We're going to see a victory. I mean, we sing that song from Elevation. We're going to see it, and we love it, right? We love it. We're going to see a victory. Why? He is Almighty One. Your name is powerful. The battle belongs to the Lord. I mean, we sing these songs, and when we sing them, you know what's happening is it's just a reminder. It's a confidence that just gets built in my spirit over and over and over again. Now, I've got to really believe it, not just sing it, but I've got to believe that he is almighty one. He's the mighty God. It highlights the power of Jesus, that, that God is, is, is one that he moves. He's, he's one that, that, that will, will give us courage. He will give us the strength no matter what we face. Look at some scriptures here. Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 17. Oh, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Therefore, nothing, say it with me, is too hard for you. Someone today, you've got to see that nothing is too hard for you. Now, to believe it, you've got to let the truth get anchored in your heart on why you can say that. And when you say it, that you believe it. A second scripture, Daniel. We've been looking at Daniel a few weeks back. All the peoples, Daniel 4, 35, all the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one, say it, no one, underline it, can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? He's mighty one. Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 29, verse 11. Yours, O Lord, 
is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. I love it. The power, the glory, the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Do you hear these statements? Nothing is too hard for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, nothing is too hard for you. You do whatever you please. Now turn to somebody else and say, he does whatever he pleases. Every now and then, we just got to remind ourselves, hear me. Every now and then, we must remind ourselves that he is God and we are not. He is God and you are not. He is God and I am not. I must remind myself that he is the sovereign one. And when I don't understand it, and when I'm begging him in my prayers to do what I want, I've got to come to a place of saying, you are the mighty one. This is my will. This is my desire, God. But in the end, open doors, close doors, direct me, guide me, because you are in control, and I've given you rulership over my life. Man. Everything in heaven belongs to you. God, your power is unlimited. So when we think about that, we've got to now just begin to, to say, okay, then what does that really mean for us today? What's the importance of the name mighty God to believers today? Well, first of all, I've already been kind of starting and saying it, is that when I declare this, I'm saying that he is the source of all power. Say it with me. He is the source of all power. Yes, we receive power. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus promised that the power of the Holy Spirit would enable us, his children, representatives, to go into all the world that he would provide through his spirit, that he would direct us as his presence would be not only with us, but now in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. But this goes even beyond that for a moment of saying, he is the source of all power. And it'll take us to the second thought that if he is the source, then the source can give us the strength to walk through whatever we will walk through. You see, this is the reality is, you need power in your life to do what God wants you to do, but most of all, to bear the weight of what you're carrying in your life. And can I tell you, you don't have enough power for what's happening in your life. I may not know all the details. I may not have read your, your, your emails. Someone said the other day, Pastor, it feels like you're reading my emails, you know. just feels like you're, I may not read it, but what I do know, is you nor I, we, we don't within our own humanity have enough power to do what we need to do and to carry the weight. We don't have the strength in our life to carry the weight. It's kind of like a, an electrical outlet. If I were to open, there's a little box up here I stand on. And, uh, and uh, you know, and, and if I were to open this box, there'll be an electrical outlet right here. And in this electrical outlet, there are two plugs, in most of your homes, right, in your wall, there's two plugs. Those plugs allow you to plug in what you need to plug in. For most of us, probably for the problems and the, and the, the difficulties and the circumstances in our life, we're probably like a two-plug outlet. 
We've got, a, we've got enough if we can plug in to get what we need, to the power that's going to come. The other day I had the staff at my house and we were, we were doing some planning and, uh, you know, everybody brings their computers, they bring their iPads, they bring their phones. Before I know it, my two plugs in my living room was not enough. There wasn't enough for them to get the power that they needed. So they begin to say, hey, pastor, do you have a power strip? Do you have a way that we can get more power from the outlet that's going to be plugged in? And all of a sudden, I could give them four or six or eight or multiple ones. But what I'm telling you and I today, guys, is that the power that we need in our life is not in ourselves, but we have a mighty Savior, one that extends and one that empowers and gives us what we need. And he can handle the load of whatever's going to come in your life. You came around this altar a few moments ago. Can I tell you, when you came around this altar, what was happening was you were plugging into a power source. You were, you were receiving. You don't even realize what you were receiving, but you were receiving. When we open these altars, why should you come if you got a question or a thought in your heart? You need to, to touch God. Pastor Charles says you just need to get closer to God. Well, I don't know about you, but I drove to my knees. Because I want to get closer to God. It don't matter how much I was in the word. If I can get closer to God. And if I can touch him in a new way. I can get new strength and new power. That renews me today for the battle tomorrow. I'm plugging in there. I, I just am. That's just me. I'm, I'm plugging in. If I need direction. I don't know. Should I go left or right? I got a job opportunity. I'm trying to decide. Should I take it or not? I mean. I know we're going to talk to, you know, different ones, our spouse and friends, and, you know, we're going we're gonna to begin to do all of that. But somewhere, God, help me to remind myself that the ultimate wisdom comes from you. And if I will just stop and plug into you, but somehow we, we skip that step and we don't plug in and receive the discernment and the wisdom and we don't surrender the decision to the Lord and say, God, if you open the door and I'm praying that you'll show me which way to go and if it's an open door, I'm gonna keep walking. But if you close it, I'm not forcing it open. Too many times in my life, I forced the door open. Have you ever done that? Maybe in a relationship, you wanted it so bad. Come on, do you, I remember, I mean, I still, I know I've been married a long time, but I remember when I was single, I mean, I was like, God, I know this is your will. I know this is your will. I was trying to convince him, I know it, I know it. And I was trying to make it happen. I was forcing it. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? Now, man, it could go to a lot of things, jobs, it could go into decisions, it could go into investments. Pastor Ken and I, we made an investment not long ago, and it was like, it was an unwise, we, we just knew it was rushed, it was unwise, but, but you got caught into, this is what you got to do, right? And we made a decision, we made a quick decision, we want, really, I'm just being vulnerable in a moment, we really didn't pray about it. We were rushed in it. You know, it was, it was a quick decision. And, and it was one of those, if you don't do it now, you're going to miss it moments, right? You're going to miss it. You're not going to get this deal again. How many? Okay, I'm just telling you my, my, my deal. I don't know if it was you. And sure enough, it, it, it just went bad. It went bad. We lost some money and a lot of money. We lost some money. And, you know, and, and I'm just being vulnerable, maybe too vulnerable. Everybody, ooh. 
and I reflected afterwards in a couple things. I said, first of all, we didn't pray about it. We really didn't pray about it. Second of all, Lord, uh, you know, we got caught by the values of the world. And why do I probably teach about it the most? It's because I fight it the most in my heart. I don't want to get caught in the values of this world. And so I've got to make sure, God, I, I yield it to you and I surrender it to you. And we got caught up in the values of the world. Now, did we learn lessons? Yes. Can I share those lessons? Yes. Did we sit our sons down and say, guys, we want you to learn some lessons? Yes. But it's still difficult when you walk through it. But what I know is that he is all powerful and he has created the universe. I love John. Look at here. John 1, 3. Through him all things were made. Without him, what? Nothing. Think about it. Underline it. Without him, nothing that has been made was made. Colossians. Flip over one more scripture. Look in your outline there. All things were created by him and for him. And in him. Now don't miss that part. And in him, all things are held Together. Now, if we rewind to our text in Isaiah, in Isaiah's day, everything looked bleak. In that day, Judah was collapsing. It was collapsing morally, it was collapsing politically, it was collapsing nationally. I mean, it's a I mean, really, it resembled what's happening in the world today. And yet God was revealing to Isaiah that he was still on the throne. He was revealing through Isaiah that he was still working. That he is the God that is involved not only in history, but he is involved today. And he will still be in control tomorrow. So you got to remind yourself every now and then, the enemy is not going to hijack God's plan. The enemy is in control and God will bring us to his perfect will if we will learn as his remnant. That's why these moments are so important. Worshiping together, studying the word together, unifying together. We get taught, we get strengthened, we worship, we commit, we surrender, we grab a hold of hope that gives us something to march forward. But also we're linking arm to arm together so that I'm wa not walking alone, but I'm walking with others. And when that happens, man, it gives me a courage and hope gets deep within and it helps me to defeat no matter what I am facing and there's victory and the enemy's not gonna snatch the victory when that is something that takes root in the child of God. We can see the power of God. When you look through scripture, I mean, you can see God's power at work. When Jesus was born, they sought to kill him. But he was able to escape. God's protection was over him. You see the power of God at work. Even when he didn't realize what was happening. In the temptation of Jesus. The enemy, the devil, tried to tempt him. And tried to get him to sin. Because then that would, that would hijack the plan. And he could have sinned. But he chose not to sin. Which reminds us that we can fight temptation and sin. When the enemy comes at us, the temptation is not the sin. Jesus was tempted, and yet he stood 
in his values, in his conviction. He stood in obedience to the Father's will and he overcame and we can overcome. When you look at the life of Jesus, you see over and over again the power of God working. When you go to Paul, when you go to Peter, when you go to others throughout scripture, you see mighty God overcoming the enemy over and over and over again. And that is the God of history that's been involved in history is the mighty God that's involved now and he will be in control as you and I keep facing what we will face. He's not just a mighty God. He is the Elohim. He is the mighty God. And in that we can take glory. So we see first of all, and I I shared the second thought linked to it, is that he is the source. Mighty God is the source, but the source now wants to strengthen us. Man, now, now when we pause there, We have to realize that, first of all, he's given us the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will will give you and me the, the strength to go through anything. Paul said it this way, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's a great promise. No matter what circumstance, no matter what situations, no matter what pain or hardship or, or trial, no matter what we're walking through, he can give me the strength. Now, I already said it. He's mighty God, and therefore he is in control. We, saw, we call that he is all-powerful. He is omnipotent, which means he'll give me the hope that'll pull me through my circumstance because now I got a hope, a hope that takes me beyond the pain, the suffering, the sickness, the disease, the heartbreak, no matter what I'm carrying in the moment, mighty God is in control. He's in control. Now, this is a great truth, a personal great truth for me because this great truth for me helps me to to make sense of what happens in the world because in the world around us, there's a lot that doesn't make sense. And it's so easy to get disheartened and begin to say, is God really, I know I don't even wanna say it, but is he really in control? I know I believe it, but God, I don't see it. And I know we shouldn't have those thoughts, but I know you do. And we can write down when this gets deeper and deeper in our heart is that he is in control. And the greatest strength that he can give to us is the strength of reminding me and giving me a hope that he's in control to show me things have been worse and they will get worse. So no matter what I'm going through today, in my worship, in my devotion, in my love for him, I draw on the strength. I plug in to the source that he's in control of life. He's in control of nature. He's in control of what the enemy does. If the enemy's messing with you, guess what? God's allowing it to strengthen you so that you have strength and fortitude in your faith. That's true. He's in control of every sickness, every circumstance, even in death, he's in control. So the strength gives me strength to serve him. 
Because now I know that I serve him with an anointing that comes from him. And that anointing is released. I serve God by serving you. You serve God by serving one another. And there is an anointing that comes when you serve God by serving one another. And I serve him through his strength. It's called spiritual gifts. I can live knowing that in worship times, that's why I love coming to worship service. I don't naturally do it Monday through Saturday. Maybe you do, but I don't. So worship service every week, that doesn't mean I don't have my devotions. But my mind has just got like, I got 50 things I got to do. And there can be a tendency of saying, okay, God, I'm going to give you a few minutes and then I'm off to do my thing. But worship just, man, I'm just going to love you, God. Because I know I probably didn't do it the way I should have did it this week. So, God, I'm going to take some time. I mean, probably when I'm done today, you're going to ask for my resignation because, you know, I'm just like laying it all out there, you know. And it's just like, you know, they're going to say, you know. But, but the reality is, man, I'm just, I'm just reflecting in this moment that, it's powerful. That's why God says, don't neglect the coming together. Don't neglect it. And the power of being in person, and I love our online family, but the power when you come in person is the laying on of hands. It's that somebody's praying an anointing over you. Man, I don't know about you, but I just kind of feel God's presence when I'm with a thousand people. I, it's just something happens. I feel God's presence. Your worship inspires me and my worship inspires you. And I may not be feeling it. And I look over and see, okay, God. <laughs> I don't know about you, but it's just something. And maybe it's just a man thing. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But there's just something that begins to press me in. And now I get strength to overcome. That when I walk, the problem may not be gone yet, but man, I'm walking into the problem totally different. So I can live, I can serve, I can, I can receive from him and it's powerful. So this attribute, it's called an attribute of God, is one of the most comforting for me. And that he is sovereign. That no matter what happens, it's not outside of his knowing, it's not outside of his power, and it's not outside of his control. Good, bad, ugly, whatever's happening. It's not that he's not aware. There's, there's philosophies that God created the world and then just kind of spun it off and it's working on its own and he's not involved. That's not true. He is involved and he's working behind the scene when you don't see it and when I don't see it. God is working behind the scene. We looked in Daniel a few weeks ago. I mean, here they are in the fiery furnace. God showed that he was able to save them. You might be in the furnace right now, but I'm telling you, God will save you. It may not turn out the way we want it, but it's going to turn out the way he wants it, and he will save you. There may be someone that on your job, it feels like a furnace right now. The boss and everybody else out to get you. You might even be a nurse and other nurses are conspiring against you. All I can tell you is, listen, stand strong in who you are, in the confidence of who he is. Continue to walk in obedience and declare he is able. And guess what? If you even lose that job, that's okay because God's got another one right around the corner. I can hold it. He is able. 
He's in control. I mean, when you take Daniel and his buddies here, they're being forced by government to worship the new laws, to accept the new laws. This is coming to us in different ways. You see, we don't worship idols now that are erected. We have our own idols in America. And, 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 and if we're not careful, the government will legalize it. The government will say it's okay. Others will say, this is what you've got to do. And before you know it, we're in the lion's den because we refuse to, con, to, 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 to go against our, our convictions. And we stand in who we were as Christ and the persecution came. But in the lion's den, God lifted them and he showed that he was with them and he could deliver them. Why is this attribute important to me? It's because there's times I feel like I'm in the lion's den. Persecution, accusation, untruths, misinterpretations. And man, if you get in my seat, there's like thousands that have all kinds of opinions. And I can't get to every opinion. And I can't figure it out. And I know your opinion's right, but there's probably 3,999 that disagree with you. And so in the middle of that, I've got to rest in the personal attribution of, God, you're in control. At the end of the day, I know you're in control. And I'm not just, I'm not just shirking responsibility and, 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 and walking away. No, I'm saying, God, I know that you can deliver. I know that my, my pastor friend that's in a coma right now is on the, the last legs of, of maybe what will be his life. I know, God, that you can rebuke, as we rebuke cancer, that you can pull it out of his body. I know it. I know it. And yes, I know you may choose to bring him home, but until that day, I stand in faith with the family and with that church. I know it, that you can deliver. I know it. So is there medical situations? Is there a financial situation, a job situation, a, re a relational situation? He is mighty God. He can deliver you. I mean, Mordecai. You remember the story of Mordecai? I mean, he's in Haman's gallows. His life is about to be snuffed out and God shows that he will keep you when the enemy is out to attack you, when others are out to attack you. He is there to save, deliver, and keep you. He will hold you no matter what. There's a passage of scripture. I'm gonna just read it to you and then we're gonna go right to the last thought. Look here with me. In 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 6. In fact, turn there. I want to read a couple verses out of it. Peter says this. Now, you got you to gotta remember when Peter's writing this, before I even read it, let me give you the context. And put yourself into that context. When Peter's about to write this, though, or as he's writing this, he's writing to those who are believers, they're Christ followers, they're under the persecution of Nero. Now, Nero was a very wicked, evil ruler. It was an intense time. It was cruel persecution upon Christians. If you were a Christ follower, they were taking your possessions. So if you would be identified as a Christian, they could take your home. 
Your possessions could be frozen. Your bank accounts taken. This was the reality for them. And it may be and will be probably the reality for us in the future. And so here is Peter writing. And he almost has this audacity to say, I know what you're going through, but there's hope. It's, it is bleak right now, but Jesus is going to come again. Now, I know that in my head, but why is this attribute so important that he is mighty God? It's because emotionally, I've got to grab that truth. And so Peter says this in that backdrop, there is a wonderful joy ahead. There's a wonderful joy ahead. Losing your house, you're fleeing, you've lost your job, you're under persecution, that's okay. Keep your eye on eternity. I mean, the audacity. Why? Because there's a wonderful joy ahead. Even though you have to endure how many trials? You may want to circle that if you can. Many trials. Another word for trials are temptations. Trials and temptations for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than gold. So when your faith remains strong, how does it remain strong? Through many, circle it, trials. It will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day, the day, the day, the second coming, the day that we will stand before the Lord when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole Man, some powerful truths there in these final moments as he said, your faith has got to be genuine. If we're passionate about anything right now at Christian Life Center, it's helping your faith be genuine. It's, it's helping you to, to get strong in your faith, to know biblical truths and attributes that hold you so that you can overcome. If we focus on the goal that one day, it may not be good now, but one day he's coming. My faith has got to hold on to that. I've got to know it. I've got to know that when the enemy's coming at me, I can overcome. He's trying to attack. And man, let me tell you, as a little detour for a moment, the enemy is trying to, to overcome us by power, by wealth, by deception, with opposition against our faith, by accusations against you. The enemy's trying to overcome you. But I'm telling you, he is mighty God. And if I can hold that truth, there's a strength that's released to me. Can I hear amen? How do I do it for me? Because it comes back a lot of times. And this is what we're so passionate about in your faith is that I've, I've got to walk the walk of obedience. Spiritual victory and overcoming the spiritual warfare against you is one in the trenches of obedience. When your faith is tested, obedience helps you to stay strong. Perseverance pushes you through. 
and you come to the other side where there's spiritual victory. He has power and that power is released to you. Can I hear an amen? The last truth that I leave you with and why it's important for us is he's the source and he gives us strength. Man, it's a reminder that he secures our eternity. That eternity is in his hands and my future is in his hands. And in that moment, I begin to realize, in fact, Peter, I'm in Peter. If you go back a few verses, if you go up to verse 3, Peter, same passage, says it this way. All honor to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For it is his what? Boundless mercy that has given us the privilege of being born again. So that we are now members of God's very own family. We live in the hope of eternal life. That is that blessed hope. I'm living there. It's secure. Because Christ rose from the dead. And God has reserved for us, you and I, his children. He's reserved for us the priceless gift of eternal life. He's keeping it in heaven for you. It's pure and it's undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. And God in his mighty power, his mighty power, his mighty power, mighty God in his mighty power will make sure that you get there safely. When you remain strong, your faith is genuine. You walk a life of obedience. You persevere. He will make sure that you'll get there safely. Because you're trusting him. It will be yours in the coming of the last days for all to see. You see, this attribute reminds me that nothing can overcome God's power for us. His power to keep us. We're secure in him. My my salvation, your salvation is initiated by him. He chose us. He desires for us to have this eternal relationship that we can be united with him for all of eternity. So when we receive his son as our savior and we declare that he's going to be the ruler and the, and, and the master and the king of our lives, in that moment, there's something supernatural that begins to take place. The reasons that it's important for us to understand this truth at this point is because my sin separates me from a holy God. And the only way I can be accepted and and receive salvation and, and spend eternity with God is to realize that my past hinders me. Jesus is the one that that is a friend and he he takes away the sin when I surrender to him and I ask for him to carry me and to govern my life. He becomes a friend. He becomes a father. He becomes the the, the mighty counselor, mighty God, wonderful counselor that carries our life. And the truth is that he holds the future. There's a strength. There's a power. There's a hope. He is mighty God. And in that, I say, God, I surrender to you. I surrender to you. He came as a tiny baby. 
Yes, he was born as a child, but he will always be mighty God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask you to stand across the auditorium. For a few moments, I just want to lead you in prayer. You've already come to the altar. I believe you already acted upon the purpose of this message. I want to lead you for a few moments in prayer before we conclude with a song. I just want to, I want to get it on your lips. Because if I can get it on your lips, it'll get into your heart. If I can get you praying it and declaring it, it'll get down deep and it'll become a truth that you hold on to. So will you just begin to pray with me? If you're at home, you're online, I want you, if you can, if you're able, you may even want to stand up. You may want to somehow lean in. I want you to begin to thank Him that He is mighty God. Just begin to lift up your voice, begin to declare it. He is mighty God. Mighty is His name. Come on, church, begin to lift your voice and begin to declare that He is mighty. Let's get practical and let's just begin to say, God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know that you are in control. I know that you are the source and the strength and the power that's released into my life today. And Father, today I just begin to declare it with my lips. I begin to declare that Father, you are in control. Father, I love you. I worship you. I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that I can walk in peace and joy, no matter what the pain may be, the circumstances and the discouragement and the confusion and the depression, or maybe even sorrow. Today, I can declare in the midst of all of that, there is a mighty God, and he is mighty to save. He is victorious. He is the one that will see me through. And today I declare for my life that I will trust you. I'm not trusting myself in the decisions that I may make, in the financial stresses and, and issues that I walk through, in the spiritual battles that I'm fighting, in the sin that I've given into. I declare today, he is mighty to save. Today, I declare that not only are you my savior, but I make you my Lord. Just begin to surrender lordship to him right now. Just begin to say, God, I give you, I give you the lordship of my life. I surrender it to you and I say, God, fill me with your spirit. Give me purpose in life. Give me direction in life. Give me, Father, the direction of where I should go and what I should do. Decisions that must be made, I surrender them to you. Guide and lead as a wonderful counselor and mighty God. I declare it. Somebody needs to declare it today declare he is mighty God he is mighty to save he is fighting our battles when we're in Christ we stand in Christ Christ alone we have a victor who is our warrior and our conqueror and is fighting for us God give us the strength deepen our faith 
genuine faith. Begin to pray and ask him to develop within you genuine faith. A strength within your faith. Where I stumble, where I fall, where I don't consult you, where I go my own way. God, today I declare that you are my Lord. I declare today that you are mighty God and that I'm going to walk with you and walk in obedience to your will and your way. And in the stress and trials and circumstances of life, I find strength from mighty God. I love you, God. I worship you, God. I exalt you, God. And all God's people, put your hands together and worship him. Hallelujah. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.